I just love, boy, seeing people go through the waters of baptism, you know, hearing the things that God is saying in those moments. Uh, it really is a powerful thing. I remember when I got baptized, I got baptized a few months actually after I was saved. And look, it may not be anyone else's ex- experience, but my experience was when I look back re- retrospectively, it felt like before I got baptized, I was like driving in first gear. And then after baptism, it was just like we were going to top gear. It was the craziest thing. Something shifts and changes when we obey the Lord. Amen? Great stuff. What we're going to be talking today, obviously, about the resurrection. Uh, It's Easter Sunday. And we had a phenomenal service together on Friday and really dug deeply into the theology behind uh, the death of Jesus and what was going on there and what he was saying to us. And and today I want to inspire you a little. I hope that we go from this place reminded again that because Jesus is alive, that changes absolutely everything. Come on, let's pray. Mighty God, we love you. Jesus, we honor you today, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you went to the cross. God, that you went through death. God, paying the wages of our sin. Well, even though, Lord, you were the one truly innocent without sin. God, and our sins were piled onto you, as the scripture says. And today, God, we, we acknowledge and we honor and we recognize and we praise you, God, that you overcame death and everything that that meant. God, you emerged on the other side free and for us and made a way for us. And I pray today, God, we will catch a glimpse again of our risen living Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, a British magazine once offered a prize for the best definition of a friend. And amidst all the thousands of answers that they received, here were a couple of the most popular. A friend is one who multiplies joys, divides griefs, and whose honesty is inviolable. I like that. Here's another great one. A friend is one who understands our silence. Or... A friend is a watch that beats true for all time and never runs down. Or for those of us here who have never actually owned a watch that you had to wind up, uh, you know, and, and the battery never goes flat. The winning definition was this. A friend is the one who comes in when the whole world goes out. And I love that because that's who Jesus is for me. You know, in my times when I feel most alone, alone, when I feel most unworthy of people's affection or care or concern, those are the times when I experience Jesus the most. It's the craziest thing. But those are the times when I find that Jesus has come into my life and he is not leaving. I love that. I love that I have a friendship with Jesus. He is, among many other things, actually my friend. And you need to know something, and this is important. I do not have friendships with dead people. Because Jesus is alive. Amen? It's been said that a person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. And that's why we've got to experience Jesus, right? That's why we've got to, we've got to be able to experience the presence of God and his presence with us and in us and to us and for us. We need to have those things in our lives. We need to be able to relate to God and know what it is to have God relate back to us. I have permission to share this story this morning, but some of you will be aware that a few weeks ago, Sonny and Kenneth, Sonny's 
uh, as our administrator, uh, Sonny and Kenneth were desperately going for this house. And if you're like us and you've been uh, a part of the, trying to get into the housing market in the last kind of year, you know that it's absolutely insane out there. And I can I tell you how often we hear the story? In fact, it was our experience too. You know, you go to an auction or you go to put a bid on something and you think, well, I've got my finance organized. I'm in with a shot. And then what happens is it just blows you out of the water. You know, you start bidding. It's like the Warriors. You know, the first half was really good. <laughs> Fortunately, it all goes down after that. Well, Sonny and Kenneth were in this place. They wanted to buy this house. And Sonny had gone to the Lord in prayer and asked the Lord what they were to do about this. And strangely enough, she felt that, that the Lord gave her a, a figure, a number that they should offer for this house they were going for. But the problem was that offer was not going to secure this house. And I think it was the day before they had to put the offer in and uh, Kenneth was in the office and Sonny and Kenneth and I were talking about this. And they were like, what do we do? Because we really feel like the Lord has said, this is what we should offer. But, you know, but we know the market. We know what's going on, out, going on out there. That money will not get us the house that we want. And they asked me my advice. And my advice was just, he will lead you. And so what they did was they decided together to believe what Sonny had heard and to trust Jesus with the outcome. And they made the offer for that figure and they shouldn't have got the house, but they did. Now this is important, right? Like they took it to Jesus. He led them to take a very certain and very specific action and something very unusual happened, a miracle even, you could say. And it was either a coincidence and they thought that they were talking to someone who actually died 2,000 years ago, or Jesus is alive. In Acts chapter 10, it says this, Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of Jesus, sorry, of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Notice the present tense. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil because God was with him. And we we're witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. And we know and we believe that Jesus is alive. Why are we so sure? Let me just run through some of the reasons why we are so sure that Jesus is alive. Number one, because Jesus actually predicted that he would rise from the dead. He predicted his resurrection in Mark 16 and Mark, sorry, Matthew 16 and Mark 9 and John 2. Secondly, the Old Testament prophesied it. Thousands of years before, in many places, but let me read to you from Psalm 16. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. Very specific prophecy about Jesus and what would happen in his resurrection. Thirdly, we believe and know this because the tomb was empty. And the grave clothes were vacant. You know, all those who wish to crush 
Christianity, all they had to do was provide Jesus' dead body. This body they're taking great care of to put in a tomb and have it sealed with a Roman seal and have a Roman guard. I mean, these guys were the elite soldiers of the day, there for a very, very clear and specific reason to make sure this body did not go missing. And all they had to do to crush it all was just to go, well, here's his dead body. But they couldn't. They didn't. Because Jesus had risen. Fourthly, we're very confident about this because we're told that many people saw the resurrected Christ. And in and, and, and ancient history, there are many, many testimonies of those who saw Jesus. People saw him, they touched him, they heard his voice, they saw him eat. Some even touched the wounds in his side and in his hands. Fifthly, the lives of the disciples were radically revolutionized. You see, just a few days before they fled, they even denied him. It says they were hiding in a room for fear of the Jews. And yet after the resurrection, something bizarre happened. These guys suddenly became completely fearless, completely courageous, and could not be shut up. Do you know that almost all the disciples were killed for their faith in ways that were just horrific? Isn't it interesting? You know, men and women will not die for what they know to be a lie. The resurrection was the central message of the church. We tend to preach the cross. They preached the resurrection. The church grew out of an unwavering conviction that Jesus Christ had risen and he was Lord and he was alive. And then lastly, the last reason why we can have great confidence in this it's because men and women today testify to the power of the risen Christ and that it has actually transformed and changed their lives. We know that Jesus is alive not just because of the historical record and the biblical record, but also because there are billions of us, billions through history, of those who have come to Jesus and found that he is alive and he does speak and he does break my chains and he does set me free in ways that I was unable to access through anything else. There is something there that is real and I know, it, I know it's him and I know his voice and I experience him. We're not alone in this. Right now, right across this city, there are thousands and thousands of people just like us who are going, he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. We have a living God. We have a risen rescuer. We have a present help. We have a guide who leads us today, not just through principles written down generations ago, but through a moment by moment, day by day, week by week, experience of a God who really is there and really is alive. And if Jesus is alive, and I absolutely unequivocally believe that he is, then he's not alive for himself. He's alive for us. His mission, as he read in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, where he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. His mission, which was and is his disciples' mission, is unchanged. Today, good news is brought to the poor. Freedom is proclaimed for prisoners. Vision is found by those who are visionless. All around the world, Christian organizations stand up to bring freedom for oppressed groups and oppressed people on every continent, and there is favor for God's people. But if Jesus is dead, this is meaningless. 
This is deceitful. This is hopeless. But he is alive, and we do find purpose, and we do find direction, and we do find a plan that works out in our lives as we follow him. You see, if Jesus is alive, it means that you can rely on him and what he did for you. Three thoughts today. First one is this. Because Jesus is alive, there is direction in life. Do you need direction in life? I read the true story of a Muslim in Africa who became a Christian. And some of his friends asked him, why? Why have you become a Christian? And he answered, well, it's like this. Suppose you're going down the road and suddenly the road forked in two directions and you didn't know which way to go. And there at the fork in the road were two men, one dead, the other alive. Which one would you ask which way to go? You know, when we came to this church, if you want to look at it purely from a career move, Coming from, we've been leading Botany Campus, a church of somewhere between 2,000 and 2,500. Coming to this church at the time was around about 200 on a Sunday. Didn't make a whole lot of sense in the natural, right? But we went to the Lord. We went to Jesus. He said, God, is this where you're calling us? Is this where you want us? And we really felt that the Lord was leading us here. He clearly confirmed that was his plan for us. And so we came, and, and we're going to be here for however long he wants us here, hopefully until we die. But you know what? I would never trade the friends we have made here. I would never trade the moments we have had, the leaders we have served with, the moments in God's presence. I wouldn't trade that for a church of 20,000. God leads. God directs because Jesus is alive. Let me ask you, where is he leading you today? The second thought is this. Because Jesus is alive, the enemy is defeated. The enemy is defeated. And this is so true at so many different levels, not just in the supernatural where, of course, Jesus overcame all the work of the enemy and the devil. And I could stand up here for the next hour and tell you stories of people who had had demonic challenges and problems personally and in the spaces that they lived in. And I could tell you about the authority that somehow was in the name of Jesus that shifts things and changes things supernaturally. But not just at that level. But also when we face opposition, oppression, find people coming against us for a variety of reasons and sometimes because we're Christians, I tell you, Jesus has done something for us. The enemy is defeated. You see, Jesus was seen by many. He met, he met with his friends and some of them met with him in disbelief. They, they struggled to really believe that, that this actually had happened, but he ate and drank with them, and, and, and he showed them that he was risen. And when you know that he is alive, that he is risen, it's funny how your doubts melt away. It's funny when you know that he is risen, that it doesn't matter what people say because you have experienced that, and that changes everything. There was an incident in the early 1920s when communist leader Nikolai Bukharin was sent from Moscow to Kiev, the capital of Ukraine, to speak at an anti-God rally as they were trying to, as part of the communist movement, to crush the church and, and all of that belief that the state might take their place in people's hearts and lives. He went to this rally and the city was required to come out to it. A massive, massive gathering was there. And for an hour he spoke 
abusing and ridiculing the Christian faith until it seemed that the whole structure of belief was in ruins, until it seemed that there could be nobody there that could now hold any shred of belief in Jesus. And when he finished, he arrogantly invited questions from the crowd. And an old Orthodox priest rose and asked if he could say something. Bukharin said he could. The old man slowly turned. He faced the great mass of people that had gathered there. And he gave the Orthodox Easter greeting. In a loud voice, he called out, He is risen! And instantly, the whole assembly rose to its feet as one, and the thundering reply came back loud and clear, He is risen indeed! The enemy can say what he wants. He can say that God is dead. He can say that Jesus was just a first century itinerant preacher. He can say that that how can you believe words written 2,000 years ago? Because our reply is always, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You see, he is risen. And can I hear it this morning? He He is risen indeed. You see, that changes everything. The gospel isn't past tense, it's present tense. God loves you. He forgives you. He pursues you. He chooses you. He fills you. He calls you. He heals you. He leads you. He loves you. You know, as a young Christian of about 23, I remember in church, we had this kind of weird season for maybe a year. This young guy used to come to church on occasion from a kind of a weird kind of cult in Dunedin, and uh, he would come and he would try and win young adults to kind of go back to his church with him. I, I'm still not quite sure why someone didn't punch him. But, uh, you know, he would come and, and part of what he would do is he would, he would get, uh, get a young adult and he would start arguing from Old Testament Scripture why what we were doing was, was wrong. And he had a phenomenal knowledge of Old Testament Scripture. And, man, like, you know, I, I mean, I... I like apologetics, so I engage in that stuff. I found it difficult talking to this guy. But there were two girls, two young women, who had no problem with him whatsoever. And in the end, we would all just go, girls, he's here. And they would just kind of go across. It was all good. And this is how the conversation would go. He would pull open the Bible. He'd pull some obscure scripture out of the Old Testament. He'd go, well, what about that? And they would just go with the most beautiful, smiling simplicity. They'd say, we don't know about that but we know Jesus loves you. He get all flustered. You go back and, well, what about this scripture? And he pulls something else out and they go, we don't know about that, but we know that Jesus loves you. And he get all flustered again. And this would just happen five, six, seven times until he just would literally sit there completely bamboozled by their experience of the risen Christ. He loves you. Yeah, he loves you. Yeah, he loves you. Are you facing opposition in your faith? Don't worry. You know him. He is risen. And your enemy has been and will be defeated. The third and final thought this morning, and the team can come up and join me, is this. Jesus is alive, and there is no fear in death. Max Licardo, in his book, Six Hours, One Friday, tells the story of a missionary in Brazil who discovered a tribe of Indians living in a very remote part of the jungle. 
They lived near a, a large river, which was just a few miles away. And as he began to live with this tribe and began to uh, you know, learn their language and, and be a part of what was going on, uh, a contagious disease sprung up and began to ravage the population, and people were dying daily. The tragedy was that actually not that far away and on the other side of the river was another village which had a small hospital. But the Indians would not cross the river because they believed it was inhabited by evil spirits and to enter its water meant certain death. The missionary became desperate to get them to this and he took them all to the riverbank and it wasn't a particularly deep river. But he explained how he himself had crossed the river and he was totally unharmed and come on, we need to go and get help. But they would not move. They were not impressed. He went down to the bank and placed his hands in the water and showed them how no harm was coming to them, but they wouldn't go near it. He walked into the water up to his waist, splashed water on his face to show them that there was no harm coming his way, but they were still too afraid to enter the river. And so finally in desperation, he waded in up to his chest, dove into the river, and swam beneath the surface until he emerged on the other side. He raised a triumphant fist into the air. He had entered the water and escaped. And it was then that the Indians broke into a cheer and began to wade into the river and follow him across. You know what, team? When my time comes, and it will come, it will come for every one of us. Every one of us are going to face death one of these days and I don't know how it's going to come to me whether I'm going to die in my sleep or whether it's going to be cancer or heart attack or stroke or disease or disability I don't know how it's going to come but you know what when it does I would love to think that just maybe I too might give a cheer and then follow my Jesus death no longer needs to be feared because Jesus has crossed over on our behalf and he has emerged on the other side. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? I remember Pastor Daryl Booth's dad passing. Uh, Pastor Daryl and Denise, they pastor at Pukekohe campus and I knew John for many, many years. Daryl told me the story of when his dad passed away probably a couple of years ago. They were in the hospital room. All the family was there. They'd kind of been meeting for a couple of days. His dad had been passing in and out of consciousness and, and had now been unconscious for some time. And it, it was just, I don't know, somewhere in the middle of the day and they were all just sitting around quietly when suddenly, Daryl says, his dad's eyes flew open and he looked up with a look of awe on his face and he whispered the words he's here moments later he stopped breathing passed over into glory Jesus is alive and because Jesus is alive there is no fear in death the cross is empty the tomb is 
is empty. And so today, we celebrate. Let me ask you this morning, do you need direction? Jesus is alive and He is listening and He knows your next steps and He's waiting for you to draw near to Him. Are you facing opposition in some way? Jesus is alive. He has risen and He has what you need to overcome anything that comes against you. Are you afraid of death? Are you afraid of dying? Jesus is alive. He has gone before you and He has emerged on the other side. And in that day, you too will say, He's here. He's come for me. It is safe. He is risen. Can I hear it one more time? pray this morning. Jesus, I thank you. Thank you, God, that you are alive. Hallelujah, God. God, I've I've banked my whole life on this, Lord. I've staked my whole future on this, Lord. And again and again and again, you remind me that you are here, you are with me, you are for me. God, I thank you for those of us here this morning that need direction. I thank you that because you are alive, God, you can direct us. You know our next steps. You know where we are going. God, I thank you for those of us here who are facing difficulty or oppression in some way. God, I thank that because you are alive, Jesus, you are our ever-present help in trouble. God, I pray for those that are here that carry a fear of death. Lord, I thank you that you have gone through and emerged on the other side. You have gone before us to prepare a place. God, I thank you that we can fix our eyes on you and we can lay our burdens down at the cross and we can walk away because you still bring freedom for the oppressed. You still bring vision for the visionless. God, you still release those in prison. You still bring good news, God, to those of us who are poor in spirit. God, and you still proclaim favor over our lives. We honor you today risen Christ in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes closed and pray just for another couple of moments. Because maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus personally. You've never taken that step of, of putting your trust and your faith in Him. You're inviting Him into your life and into your world. You know, the Bible says if, for God so, so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That's why Jesus came. It came because of love. It came because God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. But the Bible also says that it's our our sin that separates us from God. Keeps us from knowing His joy and experiencing Him in our lives. Jesus came, as we heard on Friday, He came and, and our sins were piled on Him on the cross. And He paid the wages of our sin that we might be forgiven and that can be yours today. The Bible says that to all those who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children 